Good morning, everyone. My name is Julie, and it's my privilege to bring the reading to us this morning. Reading this morning from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, and there will be a second reading as well. The first reading, Luke 24, 1 to 12. Please find that in your Bibles or watch it on the screen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you that while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb... They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And our second reading from Luke 24, verses 36 to 43. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to hear you chatting. Please do continue the conversation after our service has concluded. Gather Uh, for a coffee. We have hot cross buns still from Friday that need to be eaten, morning tea, uh, and do keep celebrating Jesus on Easter Sunday. My name's Luke. I am the pastor here at Trinity Church Golden Grove. It's my joy to be with you all on Easter Sunday. And I guess, as we saw when the kids talked, that Easter eggs, and especially the Easter egg hunt, is one of the highlights of Easter um, as you're a kid. Finding something hidden that is lost or that's been hidden is certainly a joy for kids But I wonder this morning, have you ever lost anything? I'm sure you all have. 
NASA has lost something recently, actually. They lost 90 yellow plastic ducks. Where, you ask? In Greenland. How? They put them in the hole under one of the glaciers, hoping to get 90 ducks to float out into the ocean to see where the glacier is melting for the water to come out, to study the movement of water under the ice surface. Except the ducks were never found again. You know, on Easter Sunday, God has a keen interest in finding things that are lost. In fact, when the three women, on the first day of the week, the third day from when Jesus died, it's like a timestamp uh, of the reality of what happened, by the way. They arrive at the tomb. They're expecting to be where Jesus was, where they last saw him. They want to celebrate his life. They want to care for him in death with uh, spices and respectfully love him. It's a loving kind thing to do. That's why they go there, you see. But his body's not there. We read there in wonder. It's a puzzling confusement. Not really sure how to process it. They think they've lost Jesus. But God's not lost. It's not another surprise two angels appear and declare Jesus is not here, he's risen. Don't you remember he said that? Turns out Jesus wasn't lost. They don't need to find him. What's more, as they think through this, they find comfort in the words of Jesus too, don't they? After all, God is a speaking God, we realize. He speaks to create belief, trust to give hope. So, What do they do with the news that Jesus isn't there? They run away to declare and speak to the 11 disciples what has happened. News of Jesus dying and rising. It's news that needs to be told, not news to be done. It's news to be believed and not news to create. The news has already been done on the cross. And that's great news. Why? Simply this, one Christian thinker says, Christianity opens with the claim, not this is how you have to live. But here's what Jesus has done in history. First, he died for our sins and was buried. Second, he was raised on the third day and appeared to many. But you see, belief, as I'm sure you know, isn't as simple as simply declaring facts and it just makes sense. If that were true, many things in our world would not have any issues with it. For example, we'd have 100% take up on vaccines. We know that in the online world, the click rate through of anything you see on the internet is 2%, 2%. There's a huge amount of difference between people that see, but don't click or respond, ponder, think or investigate. Actually, that's like the 11 disciples, isn't it? They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. You know, Jesus' resurrection sits in a pool of doubt and disbelief. You know, ancient, like modern people, didn't believe in the resurrection. Ancient paganism had lots of theories about life after death, but resurrection didn't happen. Judaism only held a resurrection at the end of history, not one man in the middle of history. The point in Luke's account that we're reading through today is that these are not a desperate group of people who want Jesus to be alive. These are people that don't believe he was alive. 
they're highly skeptical. They think it's nonsense. Devoid of anything worthwhile. Idle talk, clickbait. I have a doctor friend of mine, and we had a conversation a few years ago about Jesus, and it was wonderful. And he, we, I'd explained the Christian faith, and he had questions, and we had this great dialogue. And at one point he said, I could believe that Jesus died for me. That makes sense. That's heroic, someone dying for someone else. I can accept that. But people don't come back to life. I can't believe that. You know, ancient people struggle with the resurrection as much as modern people do. So Peter, he wants to see for himself. He hears the news, so he runs to the tomb. But you know what happens when he gets there? It makes him more confused. He investigates. He's still wondering what's going on. Why? Because until Jesus speaks to him, he's left wondering. You know, investigating and considering the claims of Christianity is a good thing. Jesus invites you with all your skepticism and and uncertainty to investigate him, to think and ponder and weigh it up. So please keep searching. I invite you to keep searching. But there's one thing that still needed to happen for Peter and for you and me. That's for God to show up and say, hi, like he did to the two women. Even if it takes time, expect Jesus to show up when you least expect it. Maybe having dinner. Maybe behind closed doors. Maybe with ten of your friends. Maybe that's exactly what happened to the disciples, in fact. Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. What does that mean? Well, he's not addressing the fear of Jesus appearing in the room. He's going to do that in just a moment, actually. Instead, he's declaring the result of the resurrection to them. You know, at Jesus' birth, one of the angels said, Jesus will bring peace. In the resurrection, he does. He is the whole complete human giving us his wholeness and completeness on the other side of the resurrection, you see. Because peace in the biblical sense isn't just an absence of conflict. It's a restoring of humanity to be whole. So for these 11 men in the room, consider, are they in complete alignment as a person? Are they restored? Is there conflict and turmoil inside of them? Is there sin, to use a biblical word, sin kicking around inside them in how they behave and think? And is, Yes. I'm sure they feel that. I'm sure you feel that as well sometimes. So when Jesus says, peace be with you, he's saying, I make you whole and complete. I take what's broken and restore whole lives, whole relationships, and in fact, the whole of creation. Because you see, the resurrection leaves behind a world of difference. It's like COVID. Changes everything it touches, but not destructively, to restore. What we've seen in Luke's narrative of the resurrection is that there's shock. There's nonsense, in fact, that it would happen. But in the middle of that, Jesus speaks. Not a vision, not a dazzling apparition, but a real body that touched and talked and ate and sat and had bones and skin and wound marks and looked. Because the biblical witness is that the resurrection is a real, true, changing event changing all it touches, and restoring us back as humans. The question is, how? 
And that's what we're going to explore in our next talk. But right now, we're going to sing. So band, come on up. Let us reflect further on God's great love through how, uh, how great thou art. Is that right? Yes, how great thou art. After that, we're going to have another Bible reading and then we'll kick around this idea of how the resurrection truly changes us. Uh, I'm Natasha and I'm going to be reading first from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and then 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 to 21. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 to 21. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. So our last talk we claimed, I made the claim that the resurrection is truly real, truly changing everything it touches, making a difference, restoring us as humans. So how is this so? How does it happen? We see that in the Bible readings from 1 Peter. The resurrection is a whole new category of living because it gives us a living hope. Peter, one of the men at the dinner table when Peter said, uh, when Jesus said, peace uh, to you, wrote these words we just had to, uh, read to us uh, about 30 years later to a group of discouraged, suffering Christians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says the resurrection gives us a living hope for the future, from the future. Yesterday in the Australian, uh, it said, I was reading, it said that we need, as a culture in Australia, we need to reset our expectations for the future. That, given how everything's played out the last year, we no longer have a right to uninterrupted prosperity in Australia. This article was saying that we have to adjust future hope because life's so uncertain. You know, it's interesting, I thought about that and realised as humans, the best we can do is to build and hope, build and hope, build and hope with wishful thinking about what the future will bring, because ultimately there is a sense, a very real sense, in which we have no capacity in ourselves to have a guarantee about the future. There's always the unknown, always the what-ifs, isn't there? I mean, things might change, other people get in the way, the economy crashes, pandemics happen, you get sick, things unexpectedly happen in our life we do not plan for, yet we continue to have a desire to know about the future. We want to have a hope for the future, don't we? And see, the resurrection of Jesus says that when he rose, 
He guarantees us a living hope from the future, from the other side of death. A living hope, a hope that is alive and active, all because Jesus is alive and active in his world and in our lives. Notice the logic of what Peter says to explain that. It is God's mercy to change us. This mercy creates a new birth, which by its very nature means a new life, a new life filled with God's mercy. And this life comes with a living hope. We're born into it. You don't work for it like a wage. You don't behave very nicely and get it like moralism. It's not defined on your own terms like secularism. It's the result of God's mercy. And moreover, this hope comes through someone, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That means it's personable. That means it's relatable. It's not a feeling. It's not a subjective thought. What Peter wants us to see is that faith makes no sense without a future hope. It must have a future guarantee that comes through the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ for two reasons. Firstly, is that the Son took on a body to redeem our bodies. No bodily resurrection, no hope. Secondly, it means that if Jesus really rose, all the conflict, all the out-of-jointness that we feel in ourselves is going to be recorrected through the hope of Jesus. Because the resurrection is concrete. In Jesus' death, he was able to pay for our sins and the brokenness and evil. And in the resurrection, he gives us a receipt. And he says, look at it. This is God's way of saying to you and me, you never have to pay for those sins ever again. It's the receipt for them. That's what the resurrection says. And it tells us that because Jesus is alive, we don't live in a chaotic world ruled by luck or fate or chance. The resurrection says you live in a world ruled by Jesus. It says, even if you can't make sense of where you're at in this life, like Peter, like the women at the tomb at times, like the other disciples in the room, Jesus can make sense of you. And so the resurrection is God's signpost in history saying he's doing something entirely new. He's creating a new category of what it means to be human. And that's what I want to leave you with on Easter Sunday. The resurrection changes your categories of living. You could be someone who lives in this life, for this life, with the hope that this life would bring. The question I want to ask you is, is that working? Is that giving you the hope that you thought it would? Is it a living hope? Or, Jesus, on the other side of the resurrection, opens his arms up to you and says, why not have a category change? that says, as the last part of the verses does in 1 Peter, your faith and hope are in God. You see, the resurrection is Jesus holding out a life to you, with him and under him for all eternity. Hope because of the empty tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a new category of living. The heart change, the culture change on Friday, the category change in the resurrection on the Sunday... And so, may you be found by Jesus 
and not lost like the NASA ducks this year. Band, come on up. Let us stand and sing, O praise the name. And then I'm going to invite John to come up and lead us in prayer as we close our service today.